and formerly geoscientist. I did air science studies in the University of Madrid, but I was always interested in crystallography and in particular in the interface between crystal and life. So basically, I consider myself as a crystallographer that explore the frontier between crystal and life, and in the last 10 years, also the frontier between crystal and art. What is crystal and life? What does that mean? You know, as there is a sharp difference in terms of morphology between the behavior of morphological behavior of living systems, living organisms, and crystals. Basically, crystals are solid that have their polyhedra with the straight lines, with flat faces that never have, you know, a sec with they make some microcrystalline structure, never have cues, you know, they have sensuality in the shapes in some way. While life is completely different. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Juan Manuel Garcia Ruiz. He's a geoscientist, a research professor at uh, CSIC, which means uh, Consejo Superior de Investigaciones Científicas. It's at the yeah. University of Granada. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, microfossils, uh, crystals giant crystals and uh, this other work. So Juan, thank you for coming. Yeah, hello. Hello, tell me a bit about your background and how you got into the work that you're doing now. Okay. I'm formerly a geoscientist. I did my air science studies in the University of Madrid, but I was always interested in, in crystallography and in particular in the interface between crystal and life. So that a Basically, I can I consider myself as a crystallographer that explore the frontier between crystal and life, and in the last ten years, also the frontier between crystal and art. What is crystal and life? What does that mean? Crystal and life. I mean, you know, as there is a sharp difference in terms of morphology between the behavior of morphological behavior of living systems of living organisms. And crystals. Basically, crystals are solid that have their polyhedra with the straight lines, with flat faces that never have, you know, a sec. If, if they make some microcrystalline structure, never have cues. You know, they have sensuality in the in the shapes in some way. While life is completely different. You know, life. We everybody understand that there is a difference between the symmetry of life and the symmetry of crystal. So the symmetry okay. of life is sensual, is, 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 is curvature, you know, is fractal behavior, while in the case of crystal, we have basically polyhedria, Euclidean shapes. So, I so was are you studying that. Um, life that lives on crystals, or are you studying crystals and the origin of life separately? Well, in principle, when, when people look for a extraterrestrial signature of life, 
or when people are looking back in the rocks, seeking for proof of life, for evidence of life, what is we call biosignature, morphology is one of the main characters, you know, to consider. Because in principle, it is considered that crystals, inorganic precipitation, inorganic crystallization, is unable to mimic the shape of life. And my investigation was about to explore if this is true or not. Well, okay, so you said people will look for biosignatures on other planets. Are they looking for crystalline structures? Are they looking for, like, what is a biosignature versus just finding some repeating crystalline structure pattern? Yeah, biosignature, there are different ways of of biosignature. One of them is the um, isotopic signature of the material, okay? There is a discussion about if life renames showed different signatures of carbon and, and sulfur. And this is one of the, the main tools that we use to identify life elsewhere or life in the oldest rocks in the earth. But but one of the, the different, the main different is morphology. So when people look for a structure that look like micro, microbial, okay, so we, we are looking for we know the typical structure in which you have curvature, you have some kind of uh, rods, some kind of shapes that crystals are in principle unable to form. So this is one of the most important things that we people are looking, you know, for, for. So we're looking for biomimetic, for shapes that mimetic of what we know that are today microbial life. Tell me about the giant crystals that you found. Like, where are they? You know, what have you learned about them, I guess, in caves? Yeah, well, this is one of the fascinating uh, investigations I did and still am doing, is the uh, study of giant crystals in different places of the world. The the most famous one is what is called the cave of giant crystal of Nica in Chihuahua, in the north of Mexico. This is a huge cave, you know, with... 45 meters, you know, and there are different rooms, right? But in one of them is 45 meters by 20 meters, in which you can see is an empty space just covered, you know, by giant, giant crystal of 11 meters, of 12 meters. Is is I say this is a cathedral of 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 crystallography. This is a fascinating, fascinating place in the world. When was it discovered? It was discovered in 2000. Actually, the, the Nica is a mine, very, very famous mine since 19th century. It's a mine for silver, for lead, and zinc. But inside this mine, I mean, the, inside the mountain, is a mountain in which you had limestone. Basically, it's a mountain made of limestone, but they have also some minerals called anhydrite, which is calcium sulfate. And in this system, you know, there is a hot point below the mountain, below the, the range of Nica, and because of this hot point, there is dissolution of the calcium sulfate, and during the cooling of the uh, of the mountain in the in the last 30, 30 million years, okay, there was, uh, when, when the mountain reached the temperature of, you know, just cooling, reached the temperature of 60, sorry, 58 degrees, Celsius, then you start to crystallize gypsum. And then we found that this crystal of gypsum, as I told you, this some of them 11 meters in length, 
and 1.5 meter in width. This is this crystal were growing to very slow because they they grow under very under condition very close to equilibrium, uh, and the the growth rate is very slow. It's about 60 micron per. The cave is 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 very hot. I mean, when we started this the investigation, the cave was about 46, 48 degrees Celsius. But the most important parameter is the humidity that was almost 100%. So every time we enter the cave to study the crystal, we can stay only for five, six minutes because we lost two kilograms of water every time we enter. So it was a, an investigation. It was very difficult, but it was fantastic. We uh, we really enjoyed this investigation. Um, did you guys take, are you allowed to take samples of the crystals in there? You know, just pictures or, uh, you know, swabs of them? Like, has anyone well, we, sampled the crystal faces? We were entering the, the caves. We studied the morphology of the crystal. We studied the fluid inclusion inside the crystal. We studied the uh, isotopic composition of the crystal because the investigation was obviously to, to try to understand how the crystal, this giant crystal formed. And then we explained the formation of this crystal based of a self-feeding mechanism of, of calcium sulfate uh, dissolution and growth. And yeah. How, um, what, what is the age of the crystals inside these big chambers, you think? Well, the crystal of gypsum, it is impossible to measure because the purity is so high that the methodology that uh, normally is used to measure the age, which is uranium isotope, there's not enough uranium to measure this. And therefore, we have to measure this indirectly. So we measure the growth rate of the crystals at the temperature in which we know they do. Okay, And then we discover that the growth rate was the 60 micron per century. And then considering the width of the crystal, then we estimate that the age of the crystal, I mean, each crystal have a different age because everything happened very slow. So crystal form at different moments, right, of the in the history. So the, we estimate that the age of the crystal is about 200,000, 250,000 years. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. When is that when the mountain itself started to to grow, like, or did the mountain form and then the crystals inside of it formed slowly over time, or well, you know, what do you think it looked like to an observer? Well, actually, the crystal are growing now. So uh, this this mountain and the mountain of Nika is full of caves because this is limestone system, so it's a karst, what is called a karst. So there are many caves there, and so the crystal are st- still uh, growing now. So what happened is that because this is a mine, uh, in order to you know to to harvest the, the the crystals, sorry the the minerals, 
then you had to take the water out, you know, you had to draw the, the mine. So we are able to, to enter in some of these caves because the miners were trying, you know, the water. But in, but in other places of the mountain, which have not been mining yet, and which are located um, below one kilometer, still there are crystals growing there. So this is one of my uh, aims, is to send, uh, to drill the mountain and to send robot to study the actual growth of the crystal now. So you said they, they grow how many microns and how long? 60 microns, I mean the thickness of a hair uh, per century, every 100 years. Very slow. Yeah, that is really, really slow. Yes, wow. very, very slow. So, actually, so the actually, thought is like, go ahead. Yeah, what, what it says is that actually we, we, we measure this growth rate as you, is the, the uh, slowest growth rate measured so far in uh, experimentally. Uh, um, and we measure with a special microscope with a group of colleagues from uh, University, University of Tohoku in, in Japan. Yeah, really, really slow because this is why this is interesting. In addition of the beauty of this, because you know it's something absolutely beautiful. But but the main interest from the point of view of time is that the crystal grow under condition very close to equilibrium. So that in principle it is impossible to make an um, experimental analog because this is so slow that we don't have time to. So this is why we... If you take samples of a crystal, you know, some very old and some newer, can you analyze the differences? What could you see there? This is impossible to know which are older than the other one. Because as I told you, we, do, we cannot use absolute chronology. You know, we cannot use absolute measurement of the age of the crystal. So what... No, but within, within a certain, within a single crystal... Yeah, you must be able to tell, like yeah. you know, due to, due to gravity, which way it grew. Like if you go and you know, if you take a sample from the middle yeah. of it and the one it's at the, the end, you know. Yeah, but you know, this is not gravity. Is this? Um, if you enter the in in this cave, it's a cave in which you don't have the crystal just pilot. The crystal are crossing the the cave, you know. So you have, it's like a beam. The the miners, the Mexican miner, call the beams beams, uh, 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 and this is. Uh, yeah, f- fantastic. So, uh, what we can do in principle is possible to do it is to make a cross section. And then we know that the outer part of the crystal are modern than the core of the crystal. Okay. But it is, you know, this is, uh, I will be, I think that will be really. No, but the crystals aren't squares. I mean, they're long and, and somewhat narrow. So I know the, the cross section makes sense, but um, if you can't tell which end, like you know, let's say you took a sample from one end and from the middle, and then from the other end, yeah, the crystal yeah. would, you know, it, it may grow both ends, you know, mo- both ends may grow equally outwards, but then again, it may grow in one direction. Do you know if it if they even do that? But you should be able to see some difference if you have a ten foot long crystal and you take samples from the middle and then from the ends, you know, the middle. I don't know. Does yeah. it yeah, grow the, in every direction? Yeah, of course. The crystal, the crystal, crystal are polyhedra, you know, and then they are. But why they are, isn't it a sphere? Why is it more spherical? Why are they long and narrow, like daggers? Oh, because, because this is a good question. It's because uh, uh, crystal, the internal structure of crystal is is periodic. 
three-dimensional periodic structure. So that it is by definition an anisotropic. You know, anisotropic means that the property of the crystal, the physical property of the crystal at different, different directions are different. So you have different growth rate depends on the direction. And this makes what this is the reason why the crystal are polyhedra. So the crystal are cubes or they are hexagonal prints or they are, you know, rhombohedra. So this is the, how the crystal grow by accretion. Okay. Of grow of grow unit of molecules onto the, on the, onto the different phases of the crystal and the grow rate at different phases is different. So, so what kind of cross sections have you been able to do? Like how thick are some of these crystals and, and therefore yeah. how, how old are they at least with the cross yes, section? But the problem is that in any other, in any other uh, crystal, uh, you can, you make a cross section and then you look at different position, different distance from the core of the, of the crystal. And then you, you, you can measure the growth rate, the, sorry, the age. But here is the so pure. Because the, the growth rate is so slow that the crystals are very pure. And, and because of this is so pure, we cannot measure the age of the crystal. You know what I mean? Well, based on the, the, uh, the type of material that makes the crystal, seeing other crystals that you can figure out the age that are lesser purity, can't yes. you assume how they grow? Like, don't you have a, a model or a heuristic how these things grow typically? Yeah, I mean, in in other in other um, material, for instance, you know, calcium carbonate, or in so calcite crystal, or in sulfide crystals, you can measure the age because there are some impurities, you know, particularly some for a stable stable isotope that allow you to measure the age of the crystal. But in this particular case, in the case of gypsum uh, of, of high purity. There is no uh, a stable isotope that will so you you can use to to measure the age of the crystal. So what we we obtain basically the information that we obtain from the inner part of the crystal is preserved in in what we call I mean it's called fluid inclusions. So fluid inclusions are small bubbles of containing the water the brine from which the crystal grew. Okay. And uh, with this, we, we were able to interpret the condition of which the crystal were growing, you know, in, in the past. Uh, and this is how our theory is, is, is mainly based on information obtained from the fluid inclusion inside the crystal. But this is a very challenging investigation. Mm-hmm. So you've been in this cave? Did, I see pictures of it. It looks amazing. It's like a... It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we started there um, in Naika, and then we were also to El Teniente. It's a copper mine in Chile, and then also in there is a beautiful geode here in in Spain in Almeria in Pulpi, along with all the crystal in Spain in central Spain from uh, crystal also of gypsum. All them are of gypsum, crystal of gypsum, and and all them are fascinating. But Naika is yes by far the the most uh, amazing thing, yeah. Well, you, what did you learn from doing the cross-sections? You said you can't really tell the age. Um, well, the cross, so- yeah, the, cross, the cross-section, the point is the following, is that when you found one of these cro- uh, fluid, fluid inclusion, okay, imagine little drops inside the crystal, and this drop contain the water 
of the brain from which the crystal grew. Okay. So then we look for fluid inclusion in different parts of the of the crystal in the cross section. And then you are able to know the temperature at which the crystal grew. So we know that the temperature was different at different level of the mine, okay? And that the temperature was different inside the crystal. So that the cooling, so you, you can see, you know, with studying this fluid inclusion, how the caves, the water in the cave, the brine in the cave was cooling, you know, with time. So this is why we have, we, we, we made a theory on how this, this crystal grew. And, and the grow history of the crystal. But unfortunately, we cannot really know the exact crystal, uh, exact age of the crystal because we cannot apply absolute measurements. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, the gypsum is made of calcium sulfate. Yeah. So Same. there's no carbon to do radiocarbon dating. And I guess you said that you needed a uranium isotope. Yes. I think that's the one that has like a half-life of four something billion years. But there's no uranium in it either. There, there, there's very small amount. So when we and other other colleagues try to uh, measure the age using this uh, technology, isotopic studies, so we found the error bar, you know, of the of the of the data that we found are, are huge. So we can really use this. So the cross sections you took, there's no difference in the cross section either. Different, yeah. Is this as, as I say? The, the, what if you made a cross section of this crystal? You see that they grew the same crystal. Okay, the crystal itself was growing at different temperature in time. How, how does it grow differently at different temperatures, or with more or less moisture? What changes? The 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 temper. So say again, please. Oh, um, depending on the moisture level inside the cave and the temperature. How does that change how a crystal grows? Oh, yeah, this is important because this tells you the supersaturation at which the crystal was growing, and this influenced the nucleation because they're, when, when in, in crystallization, we had to consider two different things. You know, one is the nucleation, say so the birth of the crystal, and the other one is, is the, the growth. So two different, completely physics. The physics is completely different in both cases. So the temperature tells you the growth rate, you know, and the probability of formation of new nuclei. But the, 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 the difference is, is very small because the cooling rate was really, really very small. So that, right. that is, this is why, this is why we have very few crystals. Normally, if you go to, Gypsum deposit. You have billions of crystals. You know, imagine this. In most cases, you have caves in which the 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 cave was filled with crystal, but a million of crystal because the the supersaturation, you know, the the cooling of the chain of pH. So the parameter who triggered the precipitation did it very fast. Okay, but this case of Nika and other giant crystal, other side with giant crystal. Cooling was very, very small. And therefore, very few nuclear, very few uh, crystal nuclei per time. So that the, you know, maybe in the cave of crystal in, in Nika, uh, the cave of giant crystal, there will be, let's say, probably um, 300 crystal. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that each of them have a different age because this is absolutely unique. 
place in the world. So you, for instance, you go to formation of crystalline uh, lava in a volcano, no? So then you have a cooling, which is very fast, and they form billions of crystals, different minerals. In the case of Nica and Pulpi and in El Teniente in Chile, uh, in this case, the formation of, of, of crystal is very small rate. So that you have very few crystal, and, and um, with time, this crystal can grow without interfering with each other. And this is the reason why we have uh, this fantastic landscape. Um, the conditions inside Nika, have they been the same for thousands of years? Or does the, do the conditions change exactly. pretty rapidly? Exactly. The, the, the condition for the last 250, um, even more, maybe 500,000 uh, years, basically uh, did not change. Only temperature was cooling, you know, but one, two degree every one, uh, 100,000 years. So it is really very stable conditions. So we can have some, some changes, some, some, you know, just fluctuation, you know, but not very big fluctuation in temperature and, and chemistry of the water. Is there, is there life on the crystals? Have you sampled that? Well, mm, you know, the, 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 the crystals are very pure. So we did not find life inside the crystal. There are some people who claim that they find, you know, but it's not, had not been published. So what we found is we were looking in, we, we, we take sample of water very deep, almost one kilometer deep in the, in the mountain. And, and then we found some bacteria that are there, you know, but they are not influencing, they are not influenced in the, in the formation of the crystal. So this is a purely inorganic process. Nevertheless, you know, there are, there are miners working there since more than one century. Okay. So yeah, it's full of, of now it's full of bacteria. You look, go there, you know, and then you take a sample. Of course, you will find bacteria, you will find viruses, uh, right? But, but nothing that, that was crucial for the formation of the crystal. Okay. How did the crystal caves begin? And how do you think they will end? Well, the, you, you mean the formation of the cave itself? Yes, the very beginning of it. How did it start? Well, and how because, do you think it will end? Yeah, because you have a hot point in, in about three kilometers below Nika. So this is a very old hot point, hot point, and it was cooling with time. So when this, uh, in the Sierra of Nika, 30 million years ago, you know, it started to have a magma that, that, Push the rock up, and this is the why the form the 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 mountain was uh, formed. Okay, but there was the the magma was unable to go out like it's a volcano, right? So it was there, and it was injecting very hot, very hot fluid in the mountain, and this provoked the fluid provoked the dissolution of the limestone, and this is the the system you know that is still heating. The mountain, not too much because the, now it's about 60 degrees, 55 degrees Celsius. Okay. But this is the, the, what triggered the dissolution of the limestone. So the caves are forming because of the hot fluid that came from below. And then you have a, a system, you know, of, uh, uh circulation of water, uh, underground water, uh, that is forming the caves. Yeah. But at the same time okay. that, that the caves are forming, 
the, there is a, a mineral called anhydride, which is like gypsum. Gypsum is calcium sulfate with two molecules of water. And anhydride is just calcium sulfate, no water, anhydrous mineral. So anhydride, anhydride is dissolved faster, okay, at low temperature. So that, that you are dissolving anhydride and forming gypsum. This is what happened when they are in there. This is also why this is a uh, um, unique place in the world. Okay. Um, are there other features in the cave, you know, things on the ground that are not the crystals, you know, the walls, other rocks that you can date to see something? You mean all the, all the special features there in, in the cave, cave of Nyka? Yeah, are there are other special features that can be carbon dated or, or uh, you know, dated oh. somehow to see how old they are. No, I mean we we study um, all the different minerals in the cave, and most of them have no relation with the with the formation of the crystal. The, the formation of the crystal is just due to anhydride, you know, the calcium sulfate, and nothing more. So there's no way to to we we are trying, you know, any new technology that is made available, we try. We try to 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 use this with the crystal of 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 uh, gypsum, uh, but but there is no other way to to study the actual age of the crystal. You know, you can yeah, you can study the the time of the caves and I mean the the age of the caves uh, and the age of all the minerals forming just areas than the 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 giant crystal, but not really. It is yeah impossible to have. Uh, more precise information about the age of the crystal, but the estimation that we make is is rather good. So mm. it is, we are happy with that. So what what's the future of of your research with the crystals? What are you trying to figure out now? Pardon, say again. What are you trying to figure out with the crystals now? Like, what is the new research well, that you're you know? Doing? The problem of Nika is that this mine in nine in two thousand fifteen. This is, a, a, as I told you, it's a mine in which it's called a mine of water in some way, but, you know, because, because you have to pull up water, you know, to trap the water in order to, 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 to have the miners, you know, working there. Okay. So there was a depletion of water. The, the phreatic level, I mean, the level of underground water was about 120 meters below surface. Okay. But then... The, the, the mining, you know, the, the, the front of the mine was about one kilometer, okay, below the surface. So it means that you have a depletion cone of water made by the mining company, okay, of almost 800 meters, okay? So imagine that the pressure of the, in the walls of the, of this, of this depletion of water, right, uh, was extremely high. And unfortunately, what happened in 2015, because there's pumping machine that are, you know, extracting the water from the mines. And if you stop the pumping of the water, the level of water will increase about four meters per hour. Okay. So, and in 2015, what happened is that the, there was a, um, a problem in the mine, you know, there was a, a, a hole in which water uh, started to, this was the 1st of January 2015, and then the water started to enter the caves and, and enter the, 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 the mining area, 
and then was, you know, just filled, you know, again back, you know, the, the water until the level. Unfortunately, they stopped in 400 meters. So that the cray of crystal, which is at 290 meters in depth, you know, is, is safe so far. But the mine now is not accessible. So we, we cannot really work too much. But my, one of my idea is to make like a, I call Puerto, Puerto Nica, you know? So the idea is that it, to go to this mine, there is a road, it's road inside the mountain. So it's a road, it's a tunnel of uh, about five meters by five meters, okay? And this five meter radius, okay? And, and, and then you can go by car down, down, down until one kilometer dead, okay? So that now if you go down, you use this road, this tunnel, you can go you with your car until 400 meters because 400 meters you will find now the water again, okay? So my, my, my proposal, but this is, um, well, it's expensive, but it will be fantastic is, is to make at that, at that level, you know, like a Puerto Taika is, is, is to have there some robot, some submarines in which we will able to use submarine, you know, coupled to Raman spectroscopy, X-ray diffraction. So to have some prof inside, like we do in, in, in Mars, you know, similar to this, so that you can, you, you can use this machine, you know, to go inside and see for the first time how a hydrothermal system work you know, in situ. Oh, that will be fantastic. This is my, my dream. I don't know if that would be possible. It is expensive, but this is a, a challenging, fantastic challenging, challenge. Well, God forbid a, uh, a graduate student wants to do their thesis on the age of the crystals. They'll never be done. Yeah, well, uh, the, the age of the crystal, the only way to do it is to have, I mean, all the new technology that we we make possible to measure the age with lower concentration of uranium or other stable isotope. Okay, this this is one of the the possibility, and the other one is to measure a very in very much detail. You know the fluid inclusion inside crystals. So yeah, this is the the only way to do it. But you know, Nika is is a um, 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 a living in some way, living hydrothermal system. Okay, it's a system. And you have a high, hydrothermal properties that mean that you have water which is hot. Okay, and this provoking mineral reaction along the mine and on the mountain. Okay, and then that will be a, a wonderful possibility to use robot to study. You know how a hydrothermal system works uh, on site. You know this is that. It will be fantastic. So to let's see if this okay. is possible. well, very good, Juan. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And where can people go to learn more about your work and to see Nika Cave and all this? Where should they go? Sorry, say say again. Oh, where can people go to learn more about your research and to see the Nika Cave and the crystals? Well, you mean all the all the projects I have working now? Yes. Well, um. Well, I'm, I'm working in, in a fantastic place. It's called Dalol in Ethiopia. This is the, 
This is a volcano. We just published the paper, a paper explaining this two weeks ago. And it is, it is a salt volcano. You know that volcanoes are made by silicate material, not by lava, okay? Made by silica because you have a, a magma, the magma go out. This magma is basically a melt of silica rocks. And this is the typical volcano. What, what we have in Ethiopia, in a, in a place called the Danakil Depression, this is a place in which Africa falling apart. You know, it's, it's, there is a brick, Africa, Africa is breaking, you know, in what is called the Rift Valley. Um, oh, really? Okay. Okay. So in the, what, the place in which we are working is in the upper part of Rift Valley, in the, what is called the Afar Triangle. Okay. So there, there is a depression, which is Danakil Depression, in which the Red Sea, the Red Sea is this area, which is below the sea level. Okay. So in the last 250,000 years, there was many flooding, you know, in, in different times, about five, six times in which the Red Sea flooding the, the, this depression. Okay. They close again because this is a, a lot of volcanic activity. They close again and then you have the evaporation of the sea water. So they, that because of this different flooding of the Danakil Depression, you have there a salt plain of about 250 square kilometers, okay? And two kilometers in, de- in, in depth of salt. So that there is a magma, you know, there is a magma because all this area, you have the Earth Alley, a number of volcanoes there. So it's a magma below this area. And the magma is hitting this package of packet of of package of uh, salt and forming a, a salt volcano. So it's a volcano with a crater, with lava, with a caldera. Everything, everything made of salt. And this is a fantastic place because in the hydrothermal system forming there, in, in on top of this volcano, there is a palette of colors. Fantastic, you know. I'm, I'm sure that you know Yellowstone, okay? So, and the color yep. of Yellowstone, you have green, blues, well, green, yeah, blues, uh, orange, red, you know, yellow. Actually, Dalol means in Afar Yellowstone, okay? But the difference is that while in Dalol, uh, sorry, in Yellowstone and many other springs, you know, and hydrothermal system in the world, the color are, are due to life, okay? To material, you know, that are provoking the different color. In Dalol, we demonstrate that the color are purely inorganic process. Is that the spring that you have there in Dalol is a spring that the water is at 180, uh, 108 degrees Celsius. You have supersaturated solution, brine of salt. There is no oxygen in, the, in, in this uh, fumarole, in this water, in the springs. And the pH is hyperacidic, so it's a pH of about minus one, minus one point five pH scale. So it's below zero in the scale of pH. So that means that it's about ten thousand times more acidic than Rio Tinto in Huelva. And also there is thirty gram of iron per liter. So that what happened is that the color is provoked by the oxidation of the of the in, and then you have a fantastic palette of palette of colors you know amazing if you look in the law in internet you will see the picture there 
is amazing. And also because salt, which is the most, you know, boring, boring, uh, uh, system for crystallization, just pure cubes. It's, I'm, I'm talking about the salt of the, of the kitchen, you know, the table salt. So it's cube, they are made of cubes, only cubes, right? But when you have the interaction of the crystallization with fluid dynamics, you will see in the law, we explain in the law the formation of amazing biomimetic, biomimetic. So you can see biomimetic structure. So that forming at what I call a garden, a garden of, of, of mineral garden, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's one of the, it is beautiful. It is fantastic, but also a hell because it's the most hottest, the hottest place in the world. Yeah, in inhabitable. So, what is hottest place that has? I mean, how how hot? Yeah. Ah, well, it's, it's we we used to go only can go only in December, January, February because otherwise it is impossible. It's too hot, and then we wake up uh, in the morning at four, and at eleven eleven thirty we had to finish and to go out or go down, you know, from the volcano because the temperature starts to be 55 degrees. It's because there is no shadow. There's nothing there. There's no life. Actually, this is one place, is the only place known in the in the in the earth in which you have water and no life. Okay. Well very good. Um Juan, we're we're out of time. So um we'll finish the podcast, but thank you for coming. And I appreciate uh, all your knowledge about crystals and everything you described. Yeah. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a, a pleasure to talk with you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.